Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. The Bible says, And the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came unto me. And his countenance was like the countenance of the angel of God. Very terrible. But I asked him not whence he was, neither told me he his name. You find out through the scriptures of Judges, the chapter 14th chapter, that Samson began to wrought a mighty work through Samson and through his life. But we know the story of Samson. We're very familiar with the ins and the outs of his life. And we know as scripture says that in his death, he slew more Philistines than he did in his life. In his death, he slew more Philistines than in his life. And so, with the help of the Lord today, I would like to minister to this church from this subject. It's going to be me or them. It's going to be me or them. Before we pray, I, I believe that it's important that we all realize at some point in life, there is a decision that has to be made. There are some important decisions that have to be made regarding your life and regarding your direction. And who is going to win that battle? What's more important? Your salvation or their appeasement? Is it you or is it the world? Is it you or is it your addiction? Is it you or your bondage? And I think we need to ask ourselves in this year if we are going to be ready in 2024. Am I going to make the choice to choose me over them? Every eye closed as we pray right now. Let me hear you pray. Jesus, we're asking right now for direction in the Holy Ghost. We're asking for guidance. We're asking for anointing. We're asking for your ministry. God, we're asking for the right choices to be made today. We're asking for divine direction. We're asking for grace and we're asking for strength. When it comes to the important decisions of the salvation of our soul, for the ministry of our family, for the coupling of our marriage, when it comes to the decision of choose you this day whom you will serve but as for me and my house we shall serve the Lord I choose me I choose us I choose us over the balance of anything else over this world over what they offer over what they dictate over what they press and over what they rule my salvation is more important my family is more important God, I'm asking right now that a spirit of, of decision-making will come upon this church and strength to fight. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Let everyone say amen. Come on, why don't we clap our hands and praise the Lord one more time.
I feel very strongly in the Holy Ghost to begin to, to lay some strong foundation for this year that gives us the foundation that we need to stand on. Throughout the course of the year, you are going to see a lot of uprising throughout the country. You're going to see a lot of chaos. You're going to see a lot of bantering and a lot of bickering. You're going to see a lot of stress being pulled on many sides. You already see it. You see it in our world, how it is rampant, how they try to emphasize on you to make a stand of one thing or another. I believe it's very heartbreaking to see the condition of our country and the world that we're in right now and, and how they are very leaning towards one decision or one direction or another and how very opposing they are when you disagree with them. Everyone cannot walk in the same direction. We know that righteousness does not flow in the same direction and in the same vein as ungodliness. And in the children of Israel's decisions to turn away from God and serve other gods, the Bible said that when there was no king and when there was no high priest, the Lord gave them judges. When Joshua and his, 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 um, as, and his lineage had, had thus passed and Moses had passed and Aaron had passed and Joshua had passed, it had been left upon the shoulders of men and women to hear the voice of God and follow in the direction that the Lord had given them. And so through the course of the book of Judges, we have gone through the examples of Many women, men and women of bravery and strong ministry and the likes of Ehud and Deborah and Gideon and Jephthah. We see the example of those that led with valor and they led with might and they led with humility. You find men like Ehud who was left handed and, and he would, who would lead the children of army by eliminating the giant threats in their life and you would find the ministry and the wisdom of Deborah. She would sit under the tree and Barak would come and ask of her to, to inquire of the Lord and entreat what direction they should go and if should they engage in battle. And you could read the song of Deborah and you could read of the ministry of Deborah. You will find in Judges Gideon's conquered cowardice and his test of faith that he would ask God for an answer and fleece him on two different occasions and he would find himself being comforted with the assistance and with the help of the interpretation of a dream he would tear down the altar of his father to false gods and false idols and only find courage to lead the children of Israel through a time when they were afraid to come out of the fields during the daytime and work because the enemy would constantly come in and ravage and rampage and take what they wanted. And out of living in caves and holes in the hills, he brought the people out of hiding into a lifestyle of living in victory. Jephthah, of his vow and his commitment, despite his awful upbringing, this commitment to serve his mighty God and declaring that whatever comes out of my house, if you give us victory, I will give it to you. And the sacrifice that Jephthah was willing to make, their example lives on 
through history in us. We have learned how to live by faith and not by sight because of these men and these women. We have learned how to come out of hiding and hold to our faith because of these men and these women. And no judge was short of having their circumstances or their obstacles to overcome. But the one named Samson, no victory was as sweet and as costly as his And none has given us a far greater example of what it means to be threatened by an outside world and tempted above our strength. Gideon coming from an idol-worshipping family and Jephthah being the son of a harlot, the complexities of overcoming the stigma of our family's background and our personal past that we are taxed to live with. You cannot help to whom you are born and to when you are born, that alone can be a binding issue and a binding cord that tethers you to a life of pain and brokenness. But that pain and that brokenness can be broken alone by the grace and by the mercy of God. It does not have to define you. Your past does not have to define you. Your parents' past does not have to define you. Your addiction does not have to define you. God has given grace to us all. David said, Behold, I was shapen in an iniquity, and in sin was I conceived. And that alone was not enough to keep David from being called and being set apart and being anointed. From God who gives grace and chances. The testimony of now tells the greatness of a loving God. Who looks upon the heart and not the countenance or the appearance or the outside of man. We owe praise to him for that. We owe praise and thanksgiving to God who has given us forgiveness and mercy. Who gives favor And anointing to anyone and to them that choose him over everyone else. Because when it becomes a personal decision, it's me or them. When you choose yourself and you choose the desire to make the right decisions and to follow God. To choose not to please the world and love not the world or the things that are in the world, then you can find godly favor in His presence. I think that we are in need of that godly favor today. God will give favor and anointing to them that choose Him. Samson was the son of God-fearing people. Samson was the son of Manoah and his wife who chose to give offering and sacrifices in the presence of God. Manoah and his wife feared the presence of the Lord who directly received promises of their son though her womb was barren. When the angel of the Lord ministered and spoke unto them, they immediately began to offer praise and offer sacrifices and giving honor to the one that bestowed such a word of promise unto them. The Bible does not say that they, they honored or they burned incense to Baal or to Molech. No, 
their heart belonged to the one true living God of Israel. And so as the Spirit of the Lord found favor on them to declare unto them the promise of a child, there were stipulations given. Samson would not only prove to be a gift from God, but he also, Samson, would prove to have a a serve a certain purpose. He would be set apart and bound to be a protected person of God to the people set apart by covenant. Judges the 13th chapter, the 4th and the 5th verse, as we have already read, that he would be set apart unto God as a Nazarite, and no razor would come upon his head. But it wouldn't just be Samson. It would be through his mother and through his father that they would take to themselves and to their lips no alcohol. There would be things that their parents would have to do that he was not allowed to do because it wasn't about just telling Samson what he could and what he couldn't do. It was about showing him what he could and what he couldn't do. I think I could probably veer from the message a little bit and say, listen, we have got to make up in our minds to be godly examples in this church. You can't just expect pastor to be the worshiper. You can't expect pastor to be the only one praying for the sick in the altar. No, 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 no. You see, we don't just tell kids that they don't play in the sanctuary because we're just going to boss them to do You see, if we're not going to let the kids play in the sanctuary, we don't play in the sanctuary. And when I say we don't play in the sanctuary, we don't play church in the sanctuary. You either have church or you don't. You see, this is a place where we worship and we honor the one that has saved us from our sins. We can't tell our kids to praise God that we don't praise. We can't tell our kids to worship when we don't worship. We can't tell our kids to, pray, uh, to, to bless the Lord and be faithful when we're not faithful. You can't tell your kids to not love the world more than you love the church when we don't love you see, what he was telling Manoah and his wife, he said, listen, I don't want you to just tell Samson how to live. I want you to show him how to live. He was a Nazarite unto God from the womb. And the Bible said in the 25th verse of chapter 13, and the woman bare a son, and she called his name Samson. And the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times. Began to move him at times. But from his very beginning, though he was dedicated and separated for use against the bondage and the struggle against the armies of the Philistines that constantly waged war against the people of God, the Lord had established a judge that would serve as a tool, a a hammer to break the yoke off of the neck of the people. But the tool, the hammer... Had a flaw. See, we all have personal flaws. We all have serious flaws and a weakness. The judge was called to be set apart, anointed for a purpose, but yet Samson constantly found himself spiritually weak against the woes that summoned his flesh. He continuously succumbed to the desire to satisfy the world, the itch that satisfied his flesh 
and not fulfill the longing of his soul. I will tell you this, as a judge, Samson saw it more appropriately to satisfy the needs of himself more than the bondage of the people. He never considered the cost of what the price that everybody else was paying. He only cared about what he was given and what was coming to him. You see, we cannot be selfish when it comes to being committed to God. We do not live according to our terms. If we are going to be ready, then we have to understand, lest the Lord build the house, they that labor, they labor in vain. It's not my church, it's His church. I am not my own. I have been bought with a price and I have been paid for by the precious blood of the spotless Lamb of God. You see, when I worship, I give praise to Him because I only have this life and I only have this air in my lungs because of Him. I don't worship Him because I sound good. I worship Him because He is good. If you truly believe that he is the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords, then praise should not be a problem for us. If you truly believe that he reigns in majesty and from his throne of glory, he rules and he raises up kings and he sets them down. He clothes the earth with his goodness and the earth is full of the glory of God. Then truly we realize that when we praise him, we have the invitation of heaven's throne room. Or we don't. See, we are not selfish when it comes to why we serve God because it does not bring glory to our flesh. But if He inhabits the praises of His people... And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I know that there is ministry in His house when His presence is moving. I know there is liberty in His house when His presence is moving. I know there is freedom, there is healing, there is joy, there is peace that passes. And when His presence is moving, it's for the people. But He was always worried about what He wanted. I do not find, and if you can challenge me all you want to, go back and read the book of Judges chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16 and ever find it when it tells me that Samson did anything on behalf of the people and not himself. Even when the Lord was using him, he doesn't say that he was doing it for the people. He was doing it for himself. And see, the battle didn't just take over him. It was little by little small things that become bigger issues. I'm going to take a little bit of time and preach today, if that's okay. And I'm going to put some nails in some coffins today. And I'm going to set some things in order because we got some people that need, we need to get it together. 
I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not mad at this church, but I'm going to tell you something right now. If we are going to be a people of God and we are going to build an Holy Ghost anointed and Holy Ghost filled and power packed church, there are some things that we need to get in line and there's some things that we need to get in order and there's some things that we need to stop playing with and we need to get them straight. Because the church is not built for your entertainment. This is not a Mr. Jiffy Lube. This is not just to come when your oil is running low and getting bad or when you get a flat on your tire. This is something that it, con- it calls for consistent relationship and, and consistent prayer life. It calls for consistent worship. It calls for faithfulness, not just when you feel like it, not just when the weather's a I understand, and, and I, I'm very merciful, and I'm very generous when it comes to the fact that there's, there's things that people cannot, but if you can't make it because of the weather, call somebody. We'll pick you up. If you, get, if you can't see it at nighttime, call somebody. We'll pick you up. But please don't ever miss an opportunity to be in the house of the Lord when the house of the Lord is open for you and for your children and for your life and for the ministry of your soul. There are some things that we need to get stapled down because if we don't get a hold of the little things that will tear up our relationship, relationship with God and our relationship with the house of God before we realize that those little things become big disasters it didn't just take over it was little things that began to nag at Samson in Judges the 14th chapter the very first verse it says that Samson went down to Timnath and he saw a woman of Timnath and the daughters of the Philistines the first issue is was that Samson went down The second issue was that Samson saw something that he did not need and he wanted it. And the third thing is that he wanted something in a place that he did not need. Sin has been conquered. I want you to know that sin has been conquered. The moment that Jesus Christ declared on Calvary's cross, it is finished. There was a doorway that's been opened under grace uh, that everyone who seeks him can find him. And everyone that asks shall receive forgiveness. Sin has been conquered. It does not have to rule in your life. It does not have to rule in your family. I wish to God that somebody would hear me right now. It doesn't have to pull you down any longer. Sin has been conquered. And it is usually the things that are beneath you that pull you down. The only time that what is above you causes you to go down is when it pushes you and there are times when God's presence will humble you but God does not pull you down sin will pull you down because sin will always be in a place when it is beneath godly decisions The holy places were the places that were set on high. The holy places are the things that are exalted. Holy is exalted, not beneath you. 
Holy is when you look up and lift up your eyes unto the hills from which cometh help. Uh, holy is when you said, and when you see these things, uh, lift up your eyes for your redemption draweth now. Holy is not down here. Holy. God is not Jesus didn't say look down. He said the word of God says lift up your eyes O ye gates and let the king of glory come in. Who is I, I don't want to get too excited. Sister LeCarrel will be turning me down back there. The things of the Lord are lifted up. Samson was always looking at a place where he was going down. You see, when you leave the church, the world is in a low place. The world brings death. Satan comes but to steal, to kill, and destroy. All he's wanting to do is just pull you down. Pull you behind. And when you make decisions based upon the things that fulfill the lust of the eye and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life thereof, it's just things that are just going to constantly pull you down. And Samson could not get his mind from going to the things that were constantly drawing him to a place that he did not need to be. And when he saw it, the Bible says, set no evil thing before thine eyes. Why? Because the eyes are the window to the soul. You see, we, we see the things and we're drawn by the appearance of things. But a lot of times the appearance is not what's the... You don't see the spirit behind it. You have to feel the spirit behind it. But the only way that you can determine that you feel the spirit behind something is when you have a close relationship with God. And I'm going to get there. And Samson was drawn to something that was of that place that he wanted that he did not need. And here's the Bible. The Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It doesn't say that. I, he, he says, I, I'm not going to need for anything. Why? Because he supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory. A lot of the things that we want in this world to be accepted and being loved and being popular and being rich and being, those are only things that fulfill the lust of the flesh that makes my flesh feel good but I'm going to tell you something if all you want is popularity and if you need to understand how much you are loved he put it upon a cross for you You don't need 10,000 followers on your Instagram page he put it on a cross for you the king of glory knows you the king of glory invites you into his presence. He knows you by name. Oh, I got to hurry up. Small things create bigger problems. From seeing and thinking upon things that Samson saw when would go down, he finally takes steps to touching things that he shouldn't touch. See, I want you to realize what the scripture says in, in, in Judges chapter 14. That Samson was not alone when he killed the lion. His mother and his father were with him. Don't believe me? 
And Samson went down and his father and his mother to Timnath and came to the vineyards of Timnath and behold the young lion roared against him. He was with his parents. They saw the valor. They saw the might. They saw personal victories. But they didn't see what happens in time when he's coming back to greet his parents. And he sees that the honey, the bees have begun to gather honey within the carcass of this dead lion. You see, part of his Nazarite vow, he was to not touch dead things. I know you've heard this preached a thousand times, but he takes the honey and he eats it. And then he brings it to his family because then here's the other thing. Without them knowing, he tried to taint their own separation. It's not bad. Had they known the source of what it was that he was bringing into their home. Had they known the source of where he had gathered it into his hands. They would have said, you don't get that into this house. You don't bring that into this house. I have to guard this. I taught you better than that. I showed you better than that. I told you, you don't touch dead things. You don't bring dead things into the home. You don't bring dead things into the marriage. You don't bring dead things into a holy... a holy place small things like seeing a woman in Timnath led to touching dead things laying in the side of the road after killing that lion he goes to take the honey from its carcass and the Bible says that now he is asking his parents to get this woman for him to marry and I won't, I won't go into all of the details and so they get him for him to marry and then they give her, he gives uh, men a riddle because he thinks that he's going to be smart and, and then he's, the only person that he tells the answer to the riddle is her but then the Philistines come to her and they say, listen, we're going to kill you and your family if, 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 if you don't tell us the answer to the riddle. She said, I don't even know the answer to the riddle. He said, well, you better find out or your family's dead. And don't you realize if she had understood his strength. You see, right now, the only thing that has been seen is that he has killed a lion in the presence of his parents. The Spirit of the Lord has moved upon him at times, but we don't see that it was against the Philistines. See, he's got this hidden strength. Had she known, she would have no, 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 no. You're barking up the wrong tree. See, because I'm getting ready to marry the anointed of God. You don't understand because if you understood that you were trying to tell the man that God has raised up as a deliverer. I don't have to live in. See she was already in bondage to the people as well. Oh I, I, I want to. Can I just preach? See we, 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 we've got to get some things set. Because we are living under. We are, we, we are living outside of the strength that we have been given because we have not been fully giving our testimony. We haven't fully been living our faith. Had we truly been living our faith, there are some things that are happening in our lives that wouldn't be happening. Because don't you know that how faithful they are to the house of God? Don't you know how faithful they are to the presence of God? Don't you know how... I tell you what, there's some doors that are being knocked on in your heart. Some doors that are being knocked on in your home where the devil's trying to tempt some things because some faith hasn't been lived out. There are things being tested and some things being put into some predicaments because faith isn't being lived out. We got things that are on the verge of falling apart and being broken and dying because faith isn't being lived out. 
Because if the enemy really knew what who he was messing with, if the enemy was really afraid with who he was messing with, he wouldn't come knocking and looking for trouble. Only been 31 minutes. I'll probably I'll go to 45. Is that okay? I'm, I've got my timer right here. And so the Bible says that after he tells her the answer to the riddle because she comes and she pleads of him all day long and he's giving her all of the secrets of his heart but not the secret of his true identity. I think that's the first thing that he needs to tell her. He said, listen, I've been set aside by God to bring victory for the children of Israel against the army of the Philistines. If they ever come and ask of you again, you let me know and I'll take care of it. And they won't ever ask you again. They won't bother you again. They won't harm you again. We'll break that yoke right now. We'll break that problem right now. We'll nip that in the bud right now. And we'll let the enemy know where he stands. As for me and my house, we have chosen to serve the Lord. You, there's a parameter that you don't breach. There's something that you don't come against. You don't touch the anointed of God. She, she tells the, the secret to those that were threatening her life and they take it from Samson and Samson goes out and he beats up 300 men and gives them all of these clothes and, and then he, the Bible says that he, 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 he gets mad at the woman and he leaves and he comes back and her father's already given him to someone else and, and then all of a sudden he gets mad and he catches all these foxes and he ties their, their tails with firebrands and he lets them, through the, lets them loose through the fields of Philistine and all of a sudden they're, all their crops are gone and they're mad and they come to the woman and they say Listen, who did this? She says, listen, I'm not even married to him anymore. Y'all broke that relationship. Y'all destroyed that. But it didn't matter. They killed her and her family anyway. And then when he found out, the Bible said that he got angry again. And he killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. And that was the first time we find that he had slain a thousand men. That's the first time we find that he slew anyone. It's the first time that the Spirit of the Lord had used him in a mighty way to tear down the army of the Philistines. And as he's laying there in the field after he has slain a thousand, he said, you've given me strength to bring victory, but you're going to let me die of thirst. And God fills him with, gives a, in the hollow of the jawbone of that donkey, he fills it with water and he gives Samson thirst. I want you to, tell to know, I want you to know right now, God will move. When you are at your weakest... He said, then my strength is made perfect. When you were at your lowest, that's when grace is its most sufficient. That right there is when God, I'm going to tell you, that little bit of water in that donkey's jawbone was enough for Samson. That little bit of water right there was sustaining water. I'm going to tell you, you might be in a dry season and you're doing everything that you can do to stand and just to keep marching forward. But if all you can do is give God what you got, God will fill the hollow of that bone and he will just give you enough to we're getting slack when it comes to our commitments until we're being pressed on it oh I want to I want to preach I want to preach to this church I, I want to preach to our people now is not the time to fall back on commitments. Now is not the time to take a step back when it comes to what we are giving, not only to the house of God, but to the presence of God. Fields burn. 
The Bible says that he goes into Gaza and he goes into the house of a harlot and they find out that he's there and they conspire that they're going to jump him and they're going to take him there. He wakes up in the middle of the night. He takes the post of the city and he drags them all the way up the hill next to Hebron. And then the Bible says that he falls in love with a woman named Delilah. And Delilah is always inching closer and closer and closer to his secret and what gives him strength. He never uses the excuses like the consistency of a prayer life. He never uses excuses like his sacrifices to his God that has given him grace or finding an alternative to something regarding his physical appearance or his alteration as a source of his strength. He is not using spiritual connection as a reason. You've heard it said, seven days without prayer equals one week. Seven days without a Strong connection or a daily connection with God leaves one feeling spiritually and emotionally weak. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Ephesians 6 chapter. For the world, the word, though David said, that if I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. You see, because you guard it with all diligence, because out of it are the issues of life. He never used that as an excuse. Flesh had no connection to his spirit. Sister Orman, if you want to come help me out here. There were times and spaces of mighty power where his strength proved to be a snare against the Philistines. And there were times of silence and quiet when there was no war raging outside of him or within him. The source of his strength, however, was not completely found in his day-to-day -day communication with the God of his grace or the giver of his life. His strength did not lie in his personal spiritual walk with God, but in one simple thing, his physical separation that was spoken upon him from his birth. It was his physical decision to abstain from certain things that kept him, quote-unquote, safe and strong. Things that he would not allow his flesh to be subject to. But yet he constantly enabled himself to be given to far worse things that would tear up. A strong spiritual walk with his creator. But he was still strong. See he's, he's not under grace, he's under law. See, you're not going to call a man who visits places like Samson a spiritual role model. You ever see me walking out of a strip club, what are you going to think of me? You see me walking out of a liquor store, what are you going to think of me? So you don't expect someone to be in spiritual leadership to allow themselves to succumb to certain temptations of the flesh. When you look at someone who is set apart by more than just their actions, what are you looking for? It already throws people off that I, I don't wear a suit everywhere that I go or a bow tie or a necktie. I'm wearing suspenders this morning. Some people have a hard time when I go to Walmart and I'm in jeans and I'm in t-shirts or long sleeve t-shirts. I try not to wear short sleeve 
t-shirts out in, out in the general public. People don't generally take me as a pastor. You know, I talked to my wife about this. Maybe I, maybe I, should, I, maybe I should dress like this everywhere that I go. But this isn't conducive to the men that I work with every day. Now, if I go to the hospital and I pray with someone, I'm going to put on some slacks. I'm going to put on a shirt. Because we have this idea, we have this stigma of what it means to somebody. But if, I, if, if I've got all of this, but I'm walking out of a liquor store. If I'm walking out of an adult bookstore. Are you going to think that I'm a godly man? The gospel is the good news of Jesus, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his death being the first aspect of it. We knew Messiah was to come. The prophets of old detailed it to live and to reign. Messianic promises of his ancient of ancient time declared his kingdom, but it never understood his true coming. And that only his coming would lead to his death. And his death would lead to his resurrection. And his resurrection would lead to his ascension. And his ascension would lead to fulfillment of the promise that he would be with us and in us and death being the grave would no longer have a hold on mankind victory would be found in Jesus Christ to the flesh through the repentance and the baptism that we have in him See, repentance is more than just a turning away of godly sorrow and an apology and asking forgiveness and asking for a new direction and asking for a new path to walk me make free to walk in that way the old no longer having the ability to hold you and bind you because through the death, the flesh of the flesh, there is nothing to fight against any longer. You see, Samson would fall and he would greatly lament the loss of his strength. Because the Bible would say that when she finally cuts his hair, he's laying in her lap. And she cries out, Samson, arise for the Philistines are upon you. And the Bible says that Samson awoke as he had aforetime. He wakes up like he always had before. Without. Without a care. Without the thinking, Sister Cheryl, that there was something precious about what he had every day that he constantly overlooked, Sister Simmons. The grace that you are given every day to live in the mercy of God, the anointing of God, that is not something to be ignored. The opportunity to be in the house of the Lord, to serve Him with gladness, that is not something that should just be I don't feel like going right now. I got better things to do. I got better places to be. I'm, I'm too tired because I, I cheered all night for the Razorbacks for the loss. I'm going to tell you something. He's never lost. He don't let you down. And we will give more time and more attention and more energy to things. Sunday night services, Wednesday night services. Oh, I work too much. I'm a, no. You work too much until the day that you need the church to intervene. 
You work too much until the day that you need the pastor to come to the bedside. And say, Pastor, I need you to stay with me. I need you to pray with me. I need you to plead with me. So he wakes up as he has always before, Brother Clement. And the Bible says, and he wists not that the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him. You keep playing games and one day you will find yourself being very, very, very much alone. Hey, pay attention to pastor right now. You keep playing games and you'll wake up one day and you'll realize, I don't feel God. Because you've allowed all the little things to pile and compile in your life and take your attention off of that which has kept you safe and kept you strong. And before you know it, there's so much distance there that you can't even feel that the Lord is... See, God had not left him. His presence had been lifted from him. And so they took him. And then they attacked the very thing that was first to fall in his life. His eyesight. They took his strength. And then they plucked out his eyes. And now you have a blind man who used to be something great. Why? Because he was always choosing them. Satan does not play by your rules. Parents, wake up! Saints, wake up! Satan does not play by your expectations. It's not a gentleman's agreement of what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. No, he is the father of all lies. And when he speaks, there is no truth in him. Wake up! These little things that you're doing that you feel like, oh, it ain't going to hurt. Oh, it's going to hurt if you keep on. It'll cost you if you keep on because before you know it, you're going to be bound, your strength's going to be gone, and your ability to see is going to be gone. And it's going to take work to get back. They put him to work at the mill and he's pushing and he's grinding and he's pushing and he's grinding and he's pushing and he's grinding. But the Bible says, and after a period of time, his hair began to grow. See, one of the things about the Nazarite vow, if you were ever found guilty of breaking your vow, your head was immediately shaved. And the vow starts all over again. Just because you break the vow doesn't mean you can no longer be the Nazarite born unto God. It just means from that moment, you start all over again. What they didn't realize is they caught Samson at an opportunity to realize one thing. His grace and his strength came from him. And he worked on it. 
So the Philistines were gathered into a great coliseum and they said, bring out Samson and let's make a sport of him. Because you think the enemy just wants to take your strength? No, the enemy wants to rub your weakness in your face. The enemy wants to rub your failure in your place. That's why Paul says forgetting those things which are behind. Because once you fall, the enemy will never let you forget it. More people struggle with forgetting the wrong that they have done than anything else. The enemy is not changed. So Samson is pushing at the meal. Brother Jenkins, you about the closest thing in the church that we got right now to someone that I think looks like a bodybuilder. I don't think that Samson in his strong moments looked like me. Because I don't look like I could carry the gates of a city. But you, young man, I just say, that is yours. See, in time, Samson found maybe pushing the meal was a little bit easier than it was. Because when you work out your salvation with fear and trembling, you don't mince words. Do y'all hear me right now? When you are serious about getting things right, you don't try to cut the corners. You don't try to make things that don't need to be in your life fit. Because when you're seeking and studying out your salvation, Sister Clement, with fear and trembling, you don't want to mess up. You don't want to do anything that would displease Him. You don't want to do anything that you might would think would be okay, but He would find detestable in His presence. Why? Because we know that our righteousness is but filth and rags in His sight. And so when it comes to doing something and you're making the choice, is it me or them? I'm not cheating the game. I gotta quit because I promise I would never preach an hour. I'm at 49 minutes. So Samson, he hears that they're trying to make sport of him. And he asked a young man, he said, I want you to lead me. Lead me to the pillars. This young man leads this blind, weakened Samson to the pillars. And for the first time, know why I haven't seen it until now for the first time Samson's asking God to use him to destroy the yoke of the enemy for the first time he's asking for God to give him strength and victory one more time even when it cost him himself Because he realized, I cannot let the enemy live in my life and attack 
I cannot afford to subject my future to the same temptations that I've fallen in time and time and time again. You see, when we repent, we are pushing the pillars upon ourselves and saying, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm sorry for things that I've said. I'm sorry for things that I've thought that were wrong. When you are repenting, you are letting go of what's behind you and you're moving on towards a new path where it's not you that live. Paul says it this way, for I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And this life that I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, when I die, it's not me that controls. It's not me that decides. It's his presence in me that leads me. We have got to make the right decision. Are we going to continue to allow ourselves to be influenced by the world and the things of this world? Are we choosing to say, regardless of what the world does, I've got to be saved. It's me or them. It's me or them. Stand with me this morning, and I will tell you this. Frankly, it's no contest. When it comes to my salvation, there is nothing in this world that is more important. There's no activity. There's no hobby. There's no job. There's no amount of money. There's no people. There's no individual person that is more important than me having salvation and we need to get to that point it's me or them it's me or them how important is this to you how important is this that your children are safe how important it is that your marriage uh, is safe how many how how important is it to you? <coughs> I'm just going to ask this as Sister Warbington begins to close us out in worship. These altars are open. Why don't we all come and take some time of prayer and dedication? If this is important to you, if this is going to be the most important thing to you, I'm tired of putting the world in front of my salvation. I'm tired of putting time and hobbies and money and things in front of my salvation. I'm tired of putting things that can't save me, can't heal me, can't deliver me, can't put me back together. Things that are constantly always able to pull me down and to depress me and hurt me and bite me. I'm not going to put them in between me and God any longer. come on now come on let a cry of determination come 
Let a cry of personal dedication and personal decision come. Jesus. Jesus.